Well, praise God. I got something I want to share with you, so get your Bibles out. And if you would go to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Have y'all enjoyed Ephesians 6 this week in the plan? Hmm? Been standing, been putting on your armor, been practicing, wielding your sword. I've got a message tonight, and I don't, I, I, it's not my intention at all to step on anybody's toes or offend anybody. That's never my intention. But I'm going to preach this the, the way the Lord showed it to me. And if it, if it causes you to have some question, then uh, you need to pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. So don't turn me off, because I'm starting out with something I don't want to turn you off right off the bat. But John 14, 1 is probably one of the most, you know, I mean, it's like John 3, 16, you know. Most people know John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, right? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, This is the part that's kind of sticky, okay? Because forever the church and the and preachers have, you know, we talk about heaven and we try to we try to create this what we think heaven's going to be like. But the truth is we don't know. Right? All I know is if God is there and he's in charge, it's good, right? And so we, we've heard, you know, we've read books and stories, people that, that, that say they've died and gone to heaven and seen heaven and seen the streets of gold. And there's certain things I know that are in heaven because the Bible says it. The streets are gold. There's gates of pearls. There's a city, you know, I mean, so the, but your mind tries to put this together. And what does it look like? And all we talk about mansions, you know, everybody's got a mansion. And uh, I'm kind of going to blow that theory a little bit tonight. OK, so just hold on. Don't turn me off. Because the Lord, it's never sat right with me, honestly. That we all get to heaven, we all have a mansion. Well, then, you know, then that gets to be, well, what does your mansion look like? And then is there going to be like, oh, that's the big mansion over there. I mean, they really did something for the Lord, and there's a big mansion. He got a big one, and, you know, they just got a little mansion. And then what designates a mansion? And I don't know. It's always just been kind of confusing for me. I just want to get to heaven. I don't care if I live under the bridge in a cardboard box. It doesn't make any difference to me. I just want to be in heaven. I just want to be with Jesus. I want to be there, you know, with everything. So I want to show you something that I feel like the Holy Ghost, I know the Holy Ghost revealed this to me and showed me something here about the word mansion. Okay? So when you read the word and you look at the word mansion, it technically means a dwelling place. And then I went through and looked at some translations, some different translations. Some, some Bibles translate it that way. They translate it reading, uh, in my father's house are many dwellings. And if I were not so, I would have told you. But just put this concept together. That Jesus says he's going to go prepare a place for us. Now, didn't Jesus do that when he went and poured his blood out on the altar and prepared a place for all of us to enter into heaven who believe in him? Didn't he isn't that what he really did is he went and opened up all of heaven for each and every one of us? And it says, in my father's house, in my father's house, 
or many mansions, many dwellings, many places, many rooms, many, it's more vast than you could ever imagine. It's, 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 I can't even describe it because I can't, I've never seen it. But I'm just telling you, I just know God. And if God's got a house that's got a whole bunch of mansions, I mean a whole bunch of dwelling places, they're all going to be cool dwelling places. Right? Okay. So then we go on, and I want you to jump over to uh, John 15.1. Well, actually, just hold on a second. Let me give you this. You can go to John 15.1. But the word there for mansions is, is and I, I imagine I'm butchering the Hebrew because I don't speak Hebrew, but it's monet. That's the, the Hebrew word right there used for mansion, okay? And what it means is a staying, an abiding, a dwelling, an abode, to make one's abode, okay? That's what it means. So the same word is used in John 15, 1, where he says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes and may, that it may bear more fruit. <clears throat> you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. That word abide is the same word as is talked about in the word mansion. It's an abiding, it's a dwelling, it's a, Jesus is saying, look, abide in me and I in you. In other words, you're supposed to be, we're, our, our concept is we're dwelling with Jesus all the time. Now think about this. <clears throat> I'm talking about relationship with Jesus, but think about it like this. If you drove by a restaurant all the time and you just, some friend was just telling me about a chicken place. You know, it's great. I've seen it. I think I have, but I never went in, never been there, never, never eaten. But let's just say, let's just say I drive by it and I see it and I say, Fran said that's a really good place to eat. It's got good chicken there. And I tell somebody and they say, Really? So, yeah, that's what they told me. Have you ever eaten there? No, I've never eaten there, but Fran, she's eaten there, and I know Fran would, you know, know what, whoops, it was good and whatever, and so you can go eat there. And so that person goes and eats and comes back and tells me, man, that was a good place to eat. I love, so it's the greatest place. I went there and ate. It was just unbelievable. And I said, really? That's great. So then I go along and I see somebody else, and somebody else says something. I said, well, have you ever eaten at that chicken place over there? And I keep telling people about it, and people keep going and coming back and giving me a good report, but I never go. And then before long, I'm like their number one hit um, reviews, you know, or go, yeah, Pastor Roberts, it's a great place to eat. Well, has Pastor Robert ever been there? No, I've never been there. But Fran said it was good, and then so-and-so said it was good, and they heard what a friend said, and it just went on, you know, it just keeps going. But I never go. Then that's not my dwelling place. Are you with me? That's not my dwelling place. It's something that I know, and I may suggest to everybody, and everybody else may call it their favorite restaurant and go eat there every time they go through the town, and it's just the greatest thing in the world, and they just love to be there, and they just have the greatest time there, but it's not my place, and I may tell people to go, but if I don't go, it's not my dwelling place. And there's a lot of Christians talk about having a relationship with Jesus, and they talk about, oh, well, you know, there's places, uh, I don't know if it was... Dale or somebody else told me uh, the story of somebody saying that, oh, well, yeah, Living Water Church is a great church. Well, we've never been there, but it's a great church to go to. Wasn't that you? Yeah. They told him that's how he came to church here because somebody told him this is a great church, but they said, we've never been, but they said it's a great church. 
and they came. So you see, what I'm saying is, is that's not your dwelling place. You can't call it your dwelling place. You can't have a relationship with Jesus to where you're only saying, oh, yeah, well, you need to pray. But you don't pray. Oh, well, you need to read your Bible. You need to go to freedom prayer. Oh, you need to go. The worship over there is amazing. Just go in there and get in the presence of God. But you don't get in the presence of God. Are you following me here? That's not your dwelling. Your relationship with Jesus has to be to a certain place. What he's saying, if you abide in me and I in you, it's, a, it's, it's where he is where you want to camp out. Okay? That's what that word means. It means, man, that is your place. So look what he says. If you abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So he's saying, I'm really the source, and if you're not hooked into the source, you can't say you're abiding in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in you bears much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as the branches withered and they grow, uh, but gather them and throw them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me... Now, look at the, look what the promise is, is here. But look at the big if. If. Everybody say if. Yeah. If means you either are doing it or you didn't, right? If you abide in me and my word abide, or my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I mean, folks, listen to what he's saying. By this, my Father is glorified. God is glorified when you come to the place that you're so abiding in him that when you're talking to Jesus, you're asking him to do something, and he does it, God gets glory. But he's saying it's this place, this abiding place, this mansion. Now, I want to show you something about that word in just a minute. This, it is a mansion. Would that not be a mansion? Would that not be the greatest thing in the world where you could just go and the dwell with God? Would that not be a mansion? A great place to be? Servants of faith going in and out, bringing everything in and everything you need taken care of? What I'm trying to say is quit thinking about the mansion as a building, as a structure, and start thinking about the mansion as the abiding place with God. All right? That's what I'm trying to get across here. Quit thinking about marble, you know, or it's, you know, granite, or it's this or it's that. No, start thinking about the mansion as the mansion is you dwelling with God is such a glorious place to be that you're talking to him and anything you need, you ask him, and he goes and it brings it about because he wants to get glory. Okay? So, <clears throat> the word changes a little bit, okay? The word there where he's talking about the mansions or dwelling is Monet, but the word where he's talking about abiding is Mino. just changes one letter, and what it means is exactly the same thing, to remain, to abide, in reference to a place, to tarry, to uh, not to depart, to continue to be present, to be held, kept continually, to continue to be, not to perish, to last, to endure. To remain as one, not to become another or different. That's what that word means. There, just change one little bit. You know how the, the Greek and the Hebrew, they just do a little bit of a variation of word. And it means something, you know, more emphasized. But it's the same word. It comes from the same root. Okay? 
So now I want you to go to Psalms 91. This is good, but it's not where I'm, it's not the full meal. <clears throat> Just gave you a little bit of an hors d'oeuvre there. Psalms 91. Now let's look at the Hebrew of this. That was the Greek word we're talking about. Now let's look at the Hebrew word. Verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place. The secret place. Of course, it's a completely different word, but what it means is a place where you dwell. It has the same meaning as what the word monet means in Greek of being a place that you habitually stay. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide, there you go, under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. In other words, when Moses wrote Psalms 91, he's writing it saying there's this place called the abiding place or the dwelling or the secret place or the abode that we have with God where we dwell with him and he with us. Jesus carried that thought on more when he's going through John 14, 15, 16, talking about the place I'm, that I'm with you and you're with me and we're all one and, and we're all going to make this happen. Y'all with me? It's the, same, it's the same meaning, all right? Surely in that place, in that place of the abiding place, the secret place, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shall you take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the air that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand will fall up my side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it's not going to come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. See, here it is. This is dwelling place. This abide. This abode. All right? That when you're there, nothing touches you. Or, as Jesus said, when you're there, anything you ask, I'll do it, so that God gets glory. It's this place of living in the presence of God, in his dwelling, that literally changes you because you're just with him, and then everything around you begins to change because you're with him. Because he has set your love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I'll answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So Psalms 91 is all trying to show you what the dwelling place looks like. Okay? So the word is yeshab. And it means exactly the same thing as what I just told you about what abide means. It means to dwell, to remain, to sit, to abide, to sit down, to remain, to stay, to cause to abide. It means exactly the same thing. Yeah, something of that nature. <laughs> Y-A-S-H-A-B. Okay, so now go to Exodus 40. I'm skipping along here, but I'm trying to get to the point. Exodus 40, verse 35. Because here's where I'm really going to start butchering Hebrew. If Hebrew was, what I do is I keep wanting to always throw a Spanish twist to the Hebrew, you know, and it just doesn't really work. It's pretty bad. Exodus 40, 35. 
says, And Moses could not enter the tent of meeting, for the cloud rested upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Okay? When it says they could not enter the rest, and, and the, the cloud rested, okay? It's the Hebrew word S-H-A-K-A-N, shakan. It rested. And it meant it settled down, it abided, dwell, reside, establish, to make or cause to dwell. To lay, place, set, establish, settle, fix. To cause the dweller to abide. So the, the cloud came and it rested. And this word shakan is the word. All right? It's, the, it's where the Jewish people took the word. Now, y'all just kind of give me this one, okay? Because like I said, I'm painting with a big broad brush tonight. So don't challenge me on my Hebrew when I'm through. But in the Hebrew language, you got to understand there's a masculine form and a feminine form, sort of like el and la in Spanish. The masculine form of all the words have to do with God and his power. When he parts the Red Sea, when he does a miracle, when he's moving forcefully, that's the masculine side. The feminine side is the intimate side of God, the dwelling place where I want to be with you where I'll protect you, where I'm going to talk with you, where we're going to have a relationship. That's the feminine side, okay? So the Jewish people created a word that you're going to know as soon as I say it. From that word, shakan. And we call it the shakanah, glory of God, okay? That word's not technically in the Bible. It's a word that even we took and took from the Jewish people and created this world, and we call it the Shekinah glory of God. Well, Shekinah is the root of what that word means. You following me? They didn't know what to call it. It was, this, it was the glory that came down of God in the meeting that was so thick, so amazing, that Moses couldn't even enter in, that when he would try to you know, walk into it. It was, the, it was the glory of God, and he couldn't. And they didn't know what to call it, and it, was, it was needed to be called more than resting. <laughs> and so Shekinah glory of God, they called it the Shekinah glory of God. That's how that word came about. Okay? It's more of a mystical word that the Jewish rabbis coined. All right? And there's... I've got a bunch of stuff here, but it really doesn't make any that much difference about how the word was formed and all that kind of stuff like that. But the word also, because of the way they were forming the word to be shakan and shakana, was being formed in there, it had to do with being royal. In other words, it was the glory, right? The shakana glory. It was the, the royal. We call it the royal family, right? The royal, it was glorious. It was, right? God showed up. Okay. But this is interesting. Shekinah also refers to the dwelling or the settling in a special place. So that while in proximity to the Shekinah, there was a connection to God that's more readily 
readily perceived. In other words, the Jews, when they were making this word up, Shekinah, they were talking about, well, wait a minute, it's not just like, it's just not like something you saw from off there. It's something that as you got close to it, you began to perceive God in a greater way. Now, is it not true that God is omnipresent, right? And God is everywhere. So God is everywhere, but that doesn't mean that the people that are everywhere in the world are perceiving the glory of God, right? Because they're out just doing whatever they're doing, going about their life. They don't have any idea God's there. There could be a Christian who left the house and you know went off in their daily activities and never even had a thought of God that day, never even whatever, never perceived God because why? The Jewish thinking is, is that because they weren't close to the Shekinah glory of God that caused God to be more perceivable, therefore they're not perceiving it. You follow me? You're getting this. Because this gets really good in just a second. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So hold on. In the Old Testament, the glory of God was in the tabernacle, right? In the, in the, inside the Holy of Holies was the glory of God. And you got to, they, would, they would take the tent, the angel would lead them. When they'd get to a certain place, the, the angel stopped, they set up the tent, the glory of God came down in the Holy of Holies right over the mercy seat, and it was there. And as long as that presence of God was there, they did not move. Everybody just got up in the morning, pulled back the tent flap, looked outside, and said, yeah, it looked like we're staying another day. Right? Then Solomon's temple, when it was created, he prayed, and the glory of God came into that place, and all the priests were slain in the spirit. Everybody was knocked down because of the glory of God came in there, filled that house, and he prayed. He said, anybody that prays looks this way, looks to their God, answer their prayers. He said, I will. They were looking to the presence of God. They were looking to not the building, but the presence in the building. This is what I want you to get tonight. It wasn't the building. It was the presence in the building. It was just a tabernacle Moses had. It was badger skins and all these skins hung up, dyed and painted. It wasn't anything glorious. It was the presence of God that was in it. That was what was changing everything around us. Are you with me? Now he says, do you not know in this New Testament Jesus says, I want you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to heaven and make a way so that the Holy Spirit's going to come to this earth. And when the Holy Spirit comes to this earth, he's going to indwell you. So all of a sudden, now we're talking about the presence of God being in you because you're the tabernacle. And the Shekinah glory of God is in you. Then what's happening? Folks, just listen to me. I'm telling you. I'm telling you theory here because it becomes reality when you realize what's on the inside of you. Then it's reality. Right now, I'm just telling you theory. I'm telling you what is, right? How many of y'all have ever seen your gallbladder? Unless you had it removed and they brought it out in a jar. I don't even know what one looks like. You've got Dr. Brown over there. He knows what a gallbladder probably looks like. I don't know what a gallbladder looks like. You could put... Three, three pieces of meat up there, and I couldn't tell you which one was a gallbladder. Right? I don't know if you had a chicken gizzard there or whatever else. You wouldn't make, and I wouldn't know. 
I've never seen one. But I know I got one. They tell me I got one. I'm assuming I have one. I have all my organs. Nobody's cut anything out. I'm assuming I'm born with everything, right? But that's how, that's how we're living a lot, not understanding the presence of God in us because it's just like, okay, it's just there. It functions, whatever. I don't know. I don't care what my gobbler looks like. So Christians are born again and say, but wait a minute, the Bible's telling us the theory of it is that Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to go get the Holy Spirit down here to you. And the Shekinah glory of God, the thing that changes everything that it touches and everybody that looks at it and everybody that prays and the thing that everything that you ask for will happen is going to dwell on the inside of you. And we treat it like, yeah, that'd be a good restaurant. Have you ever eaten there? No, I've never been over there. But they say it's really good. Good chicken over there. I'm so glad you told me that just a while ago. It was needed a good example. Are you following me here, church? If the Shekinah glory of God that changed nations, that just, I mean, it's God's glory. And Jesus said, I want you to abide in me and my words abide in you. I'm telling you, if you're connected into that place, then everything should be going as planned. But I'll tell you what takes us out of it. I'll tell you what takes us out of the Shekinah glory of God. Is we don't recognize it and we don't dwell there. We dwell in our minds. We dwell in fear. We dwell in trouble. We dwell in, dwell in situations. We dwell right here and let we live, let's just say, let me just say that like this. In my father's house are many mansions, right? Or many dwelling places. In you, in me, there are many dwelling places. Come on now, let's listen. This is good. You can dwell in fear. You can dwell in the crazy place. You can dwell in maybe a happy place. You can dwell in a just place. Or you can open up the door and enter into the Shekinah glory of God and dwell in the place with him. Because inside of each and every one of us, we have many dwelling places. How many of you will admit, don't raise your hand, don't look at the floor. This is a rhetorical question. How many of you will admit that you have spent a day being angry about something, griped and complained, murmured all went along, all day long, kicking at stuff, whatever like that. And that was your dwelling place for the day. You were dwelling in your place of anger. Right? And then something snapped you out of it or something got you out or, you know, you finally came out of that, that door. Just imagine, just, I want you just to, and for just a moment, picture you a house with a whole bunch of rooms and that's your life. And one room you got on the door written angry. Other room you got on the door over there, sad. Over here, pity party. Over here, you know, whatever. Fear. Over here is this. And you just go, and this is how you're living your life. You're just, however your emotions rule you, you go through that door, and that's how, where you sit in there. And imagine what's in there. Like your anger room. You know, there's hammers and, you know, things to break and tear stuff up and, you know, y'all with me? The pity party room, you know, it's all fluffy and and it's not. <laughs> Kleenexes and uh, comforters, and you want to you just you know, right? And then you've got this other room over here, and then all of a sudden, you know, then one day you wake up and you've got the vision room. You're 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 getting into that. You've got a prayer room. 
a place where you go in there and you talk to God, right? But you got to have the Shekinah glory room. You got to have the room where you go in and abide with him where you sit down and you're not thinking. Got it? You're not thinking. You're not giving suggestions. You're not asking him to do something. You're not telling, asking why or this or that other. You're in there to just be in his glory, in his royal glory, to sit in the Shekinah presence of God and just bask in his glory and how big he is. Well, you open that door and go in. It's in you because you're the temple of the living God. The Spirit of God lives and dwells on the inside of you. You've got a Holy Ghost room. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Okay, so this is, I'm going to give you a suggestion on how to get in your, your glory room. All right? How to help you tonight. This is, like, this is like participation, learning. This isn't, don't take it and walk out of here. I want to teach you something that you've got to go try. Okay? So this, imagine your life has many rooms. All right? And you know the dark side that's on one side of it, okay? You know those rooms. You know the, the hinges are very worn. All right? So now you've got to have another room. You need a prayer room. You need a place where before you go to the glory room, you go to the prayer room. The prayer room is where you're going to cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. That's going to be the room where you go sit down and you say, Father, I just come to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord, this day, uh, according to your word. Uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. I, 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 you know, thank you for this. Whatever your prayer life is. Y'all with me? You're going to cast your cares upon him. Lord, I'm worried about this situation at work. I just declare right now, finances are going to come in from the north, south, the east, and the west. are going to come into our, our deal because you said everything that my hand touches will prosper. So I'm just standing on that. That takes place in the prayer room. All right? Once you've cast your cares upon him in the prayer room, you need to exit the prayer room and you need to go to the next room. Okay? The next room is the glory room, the Shekinah room. Now, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 gives us some details about this. And then you, if you were then, if, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. So in the Shekinah room, you're not, you're not thinking. You're not there to discuss matters of state with the Lord. In the glory room, you're there to be quiet, to humble yourself, to learn how to stop thinking. You say, I don't think I can do that. Well, you've got something you need to work on. At first, you may not be able to stay in the glory room a minute. Because then you're going to start thinking, and you're going to try to change the glory room back to the prayer room. Because you're not going to know what to do. <laughs> Have you ever been in an awkward situation? Like, you know, like, let's say you're at an uncomfortable party, right? Like, or something you feel a little out of out of comfort level with, and it's, I don't know about y'all, but it's always like, I don't know what to do with my hands. 
You know, like, I mean, what do I do with my hands? Do I hold my hands in my front? Do I put them in my pocket? Now that looks country. Don't put them in my pocket. Put them on the side. Just hang on here. Just what do I do? And for long, I just find myself. I'm just trying to, I'm just standing like, oh, God, what do I do? You know? Um, I don't know what to do. I hold my hands like this. You know, put one in the back. You know what do I do? You know, I, don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. So you may be like that at starting with the Shekinah room. Going into the glory room, you may be like that because you don't know what to do because unless you've ever been there and sat in the presence of God and just received from him and let him do the talking and not you, then you don't, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what to do. You just, you know, I don't know what to do with my hands. You may be so busy trying to fix up your Shekinah room, your glory room, well, I should have candles or something, a scent of frankincense blowing by as it went in there, you know? Well, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to be sitting there, and then, I don't know, the frankincense could be just a little bit stronger, I think, and then, oh, what? What does that smell? You're off. You're not, in the, you're not in the glory room. You're thinking about the frankincense. I suggest in order to go into the glory room, you should really have nothing in there. Now, I'm not talking about a physical structure. I'm talking about a mental structure. But I'm talking about everything that's around you. Don't try to create the atmosphere around you to help you get into the glory room. Folks, just shut up. (laughs) Just shut up for a minute. You're already the temple of the living God. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. The Shekinah glory of God is there, the glory that can answer every question you've ever had, but just shut up and don't ask it and let him tell you. That's the difference. You need to practice. You can call it whatever you want to. You can call it meditation, you can call it whatever, but you need to practice being still and not thinking in God's presence. You say, well, I just don't know. That is just freaky. I don't know what to... You do it like this. You sit down. You close your eyes. And you don't think. It's that simple. You steal yourself in the presence of God. I don't care what you want to build up to it. I don't care what your conversation is going from the prayer room to the glory room. You can sit there and say, Lord, I've just come here and I've entered today into the glory room. I just love you so much. I praise you. I worship you and all that. Okay, you're missing it because you're, you're over in the worship room. Take yourself from the prayer room to the worship room. But when you get to the glory room, I'll put the door go in there and sit down. <sighs> Lord, I just love to be in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Quit thinking. Just quit thinking. If you fall asleep, glory to God. But you've got to learn to still yourself in the presence of God. That's the place of glory. That's the place that you're abiding. It's the same thing Jesus said. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. If you enter into, let me just say it this way. If you enter into my Shekinah glory and my presence and abide there, anything you ask will be done. Why wouldn't it? You're in his presence. I don't think God heard my prayer. What? What? You got to quit thinking about the mansion physical structure in heaven and, the, and, and, and God in heaven, and you got to start thinking about God on earth in you. You're the temple of the living God. The Spirit of God lives and dwells on the inside of you. I do not have all the answers. I have never made any 
pretense that I do have all the answers, but I do know the one that does have all the answers. And all I know is I've got to be in his presence in order to hear that. The other morning I got up and I was reading my Bible. My wife's gone, so it's just me in the house. And I'm just talking out loud, talking to the Lord out loud, reading my Bible, talking to the Lord out loud, just going over things. It's not really anything. It's not really prayer time. It's not really anything. It's just me in conversation with the Lord. I'm just reading my Bible, just saying, hey, that's cool. Right there. And I get over there, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm reading the book of Zephaniah, okay? Because in my daily reading, I'm going along. I'm in the book of Zephaniah. I come across Zephaniah chapter 3, where it says, the Lord rejoices and sings over us. And I was like, man, that's, you know, Lord, I'll be honest with you. That kind of makes me a little, me. I said, I just can't, it just don't seem right that, the creator of the world would be singing over me. I mean, I mean, it's like it's like mariachis. OK, I like mariachis, but I paid them to sing the song. So I paid them to stand there and sing the song. OK, yeah, it's good. But they're not singing over me. They're not singing to me. They're just singing a song. But if a mariachi started coming and singing to me and said, you know, oh, Robert, you're wonderful. You are so amazing. You're so great. I'd say, hey, dude, what's the matter with you? You're a little weird here. You're freaking me out. Right? Would that not be weird? You start getting weird. Now you start thinking about God Almighty is doing that. He says, I rejoice, and I want to sing and rejoice over you. So I'm like, Lord, I don't know. Maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to learn how to receive that from you because that's just a little odd to me. So I had that scripture going down the road. Person texted me, beep, beep, gave me the text. I looked at it and I said, hmm. Instantly, I said, they're discouraged today. They sent me a text, a very positive. I just said, they're discouraged today. And it's just like the Holy Ghost said, that's who the scripture's for. It's like, ah, it'll work there. Text them the scripture, send back, oh my God, that's, um, that's unbelievable. That's my favorite scripture. I just needed to hear from God this morning. And thank you so much for giving me that scripture. La, 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 la. I go on and like, like, yeah, that's good, Lord. That wasn't for me at all, you know, but I got that thing. <laughs> went through all that time and it wasn't for me, but it was for somebody else. You with me? But I got that in the Shekinah room. I was just reading my Bible, but I'm in, I'm in fellowship with him. You've got to develop. I don't care where it is. I don't care if you go outside. I don't care if you sit in your easy chair. I don't care what you got to. You have got to develop a place where you know that you've entered into the presence of God. You're not entering into the presence of God to ask him a question. That took place in the prayer room or the worship room. You're entering in there just to be in his presence. And your main job is, your only job is, don't think. Like we worship here tonight. Presence of God's here. The tangible presence of God is in this building. Okay? Tangible presence of God's in this building. If you don't feel the tangible presence of God in this building, that's okay. You just haven't understood what's the tangible presence of God. You'll get there. But listen to me. That same presence is abiding in you. It's the glory of God. I told you all the story on Saturday, on Sunday about, you know, the, there's a store that I hate to shop at. I don't even want to mention its name because I don't, I don't want to. You can go figure it out yourself. But I walk in there, I'm irritated. I'm, there is, I am irritated. I'm irritated. I know it's not the presence of God. Are you with me? 
I know that that's not what I'm used to feeling in my glory room. I don't like it. And I can be in other places, and it may be loud, and things may be going on, and I can sit there, and I can just relax and go, close my eyes, or just have my eyes open. It doesn't make any difference. And I can sense the tangible presence of God around me. While chaos is going on, everybody else is talking all kinds of stuff, whatever like that, doesn't make any difference. I can sense that. And if I can live there, then folks, I'll tell you something. There's where your soul gets healed. There's where all your answers come from. That's where everything comes from. But you've got to work at getting there by casting your cares on the Lord and quit thinking. Okay? So in your father's house, there's many mansions. In your, in your house, there's many mansions. There's many rooms, many dwelling places. You need to go explore a few. Get out of the ones that you've got the hinges wore off, the rooms of anger and self-pity and woe, woe and all that. And start opening up some of the doors. Amen? The secret place. Under the shadow of his wings. Amen. Well, praise God. Bill, help me to stick up our offering tonight. <laughs> you know what's so funny about this place I went into the other day that irritates me? Is I didn't even realize I had points to this company. And so when we went to check out, I had a whole bunch of stuff. And... Uh, they said, you, you just want to get this off on, on, on your points? I was like, well, how many points do I have? And I had all the points to buy everything. Everything was free. And so as I walked out the door, I said, it still doesn't make up for the difference. <laughs> that I went in this store and bought and got a whole pile for free. It's still not, you're not getting me brand new points. You're not going to get me that way. So God can bless you no matter where you're at. Put your hand on your offering. Let's pray. Father, I just declare tonight we're the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. We are so blessed. Lord, everything that we put our hands to, we prosper in. I declare, Lord God, that we're blessed in everything that we do. And I declare that tonight, Lord, as we give, that we're able to just sow into the world, change the world, see people get touched and blessed for you, Lord. And we just thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.